Okay. Are we want, recording? Yes, we're recording. All right, good. Do you want to? Do you, I don't so my idea is to keep it kind of anonymous. But okay. you're retiring. You're done now. You're leaving. Do you want to introduce yourself? I can introduce myself. Okay. Eric DiLorenzo, captain, soon to be retired in like 24-ish hours. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been with the department? So, um, 25 years. How many different divisions have you worked in? All but support services. So, um, I'll take you through the journey. Came out of the academy in 1998, um, went to Midnight Patrol, um, which back then used to do waterfront at the beginning of the shift and then patrol at the end of your shift. Um, you kind of work two different um, places on during a, a 10 hour shift back then. Um, then I went to beach patrol and then I became a school resource officer. Then I became a detective. And then, um, when I got promoted to Sergeant, I got called in by my captain at the time. And he said, um, Hey, the chief's going to promote me to Sergeant wants to know where you want to go. Um, and I said anywhere, but midnight shift or internal affairs. And he quickly said, well, um, internal affairs, it is, we were asking, but it didn't really matter. Um, so I went to internal affairs, um, which in hindsight was actually a really kind of, um, good experience. Um, I learned a lot in the, um, 11 months and two weeks that I was there, not that I was counting. Um, and then I went to the training unit as a Sergeant, got promoted to Lieutenant, went to the street crimes unit, um, and then I went to back to the training unit, got promoted to captain, ran patrol and waterfront when it was combined. Um, and then here I am now as the captain of the admin division. What was your favorite division to work in? What was your favorite of all those assignments? Favorite of all those assignments, it's probably a tie between school resource officer, which everybody's like, oh, I can never work around those kids. Uh, but what they don't realize is that... Um, once you kind of establish yourself and build a relationship, it's actually a piece of cake. Um, that was a really good position. And then I loved my time in the training unit. Because mm -hmm. I talked, I know they had the opening for the primary school resource officer position. And I asked the principal, I was like, I don't understand. These kids are six and eight. Like, why do we need a school resource officer for the school? Because I'm thinking safety reasons. And she said, no, it's it's the, the relationship that they officers have with the kids and the kids will... You know, a lot of stuff happens at home, and then they bring it to school. Yeah. So um, I did some enforcement work as a school resource officer. Um, of course, you know, you're, you're dealing with middle school stuff. The occasional threat, the occasional assault, um, the occasional kid brought a knife to school that was in his backpack. Um, back when I was in the schools, I was there in 99 to 2002. Um, we didn't have the social media crap that we're dealing with now. Um, and I know the SROs have their hands full with, with that. Um, I really didn't have to deal with that too much. Um, cause it really wasn't, you know, as prominent as it is now. Um, I came in off the heels of Columbine. So Columbine was in April. I came, I started in school in August, um, of the same year. So like literally I walked on water. Um, everybody, um, really loved our presence in the school. So I was the first full-time one at the middle school, um, now retired, um, officer Robert Williams was at the high school. Um, and I'll never forget, like in the beginning when I was there, uh, um, older, uh, lady who had, had kids, she's, uh, lived in the BTW community. And she said, man, I, I love that you're here, but I'm, it's a shame they took Jesus out of the school and put the police in. Um, and I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. Um, just talking about like, it's a shame that, you know, we had to be there, but I still talk to some of my students today. Um, some of my students are co-workers now. Um, some of them have gone on to do really great things. Some I have worked uh, their murder um, that they've been killed. I've put some of them in jail for murder. I have a student that is in jail for being a serial rapist. Um, you know, and I have others that are doctors and, and own insurance companies and are doing great things. Um, but you think back to like 99, 2000, that's 20 some odd years ago. And still, um, 
when I bump into them in the community, they remember me. And that's, um, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Um, so how did you find Myrtle Beach Police? I found Myrtle Beach Police. Um, so my, my dad um, and mom came down here in 97, maybe even 96, whatever. Um, they came down before I did. Um, my dad, um, they bought a house in Indigo Creek. Um, wasn't even built yet. They came in first time they were here. Um, my parents knew they wanted to buy a house somewhere, um, like a, a beach house with no intention of moving here. Um, so they bought this house, I think it was in 96. Um, my dad is kind of, can be like a kind of impulsive dude. So he's like, wow, I wanted a house, bought a house kind of sight unseen. First time in Myrtle Beach, he buys a house in Indigo Creek. Um, no intention of, he just wanted to keep it as a getaway. Um, they go back to New York. Um, and on the fax machine is, um, a fax from the New York state retirement system saying, Hey, we're trying to get rid of the the high paid people. Um, we're giving three years of service or four years of service. If you retire by X date and my dad's like, I'm out of here and took that incentive. Um, and ended up retiring in Myrtle beach in 97. Um, I was still in college. I knew I wanted to get into law enforcement. Um, I came down here on spring break. Uh, my parents, knowing that I um, wanted to get in law enforcement, um, my dad's aunt um, was already living down here somewhere like in Wachasaw or something like that. And my dad's aunt's daughter knew now retired Lieutenant Chuck Cap. And, um, so anyway, long story short, uh, when I was here on spring break, I ended up meeting up with Chuck Cap and just saying, Hey, tell me about the department. He handed me an application. I filled it out. Um, and I got hired mm-hmm. back then. Um, the hiring process is totally different than it is now. Um, you know, and so that's how I ended up. I've never been to Myrtle beach before and, got hired, had no intention of staying here, wanted to be a New York state trooper in the worst way. I figured, all right, I'd see if I can get hired here. Um, they hired me very quickly. I want to say spring break, say it was in April. Um, I started in September of that year after I graduated. Did you see this job as like a calling? Like you said, you always wanted to be in law enforcement. Um, yeah, this is definitely a calling. Um, like I knew, I knew I wanted to go into law enforcement. Um, how or why or what, I don't really know why. Um, it's just, I've always gravitated towards it. Um, and I had, I had no idea what the hell Myrtle Beach was, right? But I knew they were hiring. Um, I knew I needed a job coming out of college. So I was like, okay, well, let's just see what the hell this is all about. Um, and then, but yeah, so law enforcement has definitely been a calling to me. Um, I couldn't imagine certainly back then or now, like what else I would have done. Like I, you know, I, I'm not going to get into like real estate sales mm-hmm. or insurance or any of that crap. Like I'm going to probably always do something first responder service government type of of stuff it's just the way i'm wired right so now since you're leaving the department you're going into more emergency management Mm -hmm. stuff how do you find that niche and know okay i only have to put in so many years at the department but this is what i want to do yeah so um how did i stumble across emergency management um so emergency management typically um is a retired dude from the fire department um, who can recite everything, um, FEMA talk, jargon, whatever. Um, But emergency management has turned, that was old emergency management. Emergency management now has morphed into way more than just filling out FEMA forms for reimbursement. Um, And how did I stumble across it? I probably stumbled across it 
from my days as a school resource officer um, where I had to start developing plans really with no training, no nothing, um, emergency operational plans for the school, response plans for the police department, right? And we didn't use those terms back then, um, but I really enjoyed doing that. And that's kind of always followed me through my career. Um, so that's how I kind of stumbled across it. I really started to not even on purpose, but really start to get called a lot to do active shooter um, training, planning, whatever. I mean, you know the, the stuff I do with active shooter um, here locally. Um, I do work with alert. I do work with, you know, I love you guys. I do, you know, I'm all over the place doing different things, right? Trying to support that kind of side of the house, if you will, for active shooter. Um, I really got into the recovery part of active shooter, um, which is an untapped, um, an untapped, um, aspect of it, but probably one of the most important. It's like I tell everybody going into the building, taking out the bad guy, treating the victims or getting the victims up to the hospital. That's the easy part, right? And that is a matter of should not be extended, but that should be over and done with very, very quickly. But what the hell do you now do with a community, a department, a whatever that has just literally gone through hell? Um, how do you salvage a department who has just had to go into an elementary school and pick up dead children? And how do you heal a community that has gone through that with, you know, very um, invasive media and attention that they don't want, like, how do you get that community back to some semblance of order? I'm not going to use normal because you don't ever go back to normal. Um, but how do you start the healing process? So that's an area that um, I really started to focus on. I focused on that at grad school. Um, I went to Georgetown University, um, got my master's degree in emergency and disaster management. Um, and really, that's when I would say things started to really pick up momentum and pick up speed for me um, in that side of the house. Mm -hmm. So you talked about recovery, and I know that's a big thing that you work on mm -hmm. for our department. But even the incident we had Monday night, people are still in briefing saying, you need to talk to somebody, you need mm -hmm. to talk to somebody. What advice do you have for our department or anybody in general yeah. who doesn't, who still is, no, I'm not going to talk about it, I don't need to talk yeah. about it, and doesn't, they're not sure. comfortable with that yet? Yeah, so um, I do a ton of work in peer support um, world. Um, I do a lot of work with SC Leap, South Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program. Um, I'll tell you the story, how I stumbled across that. Um, an email came out back in, I don't know if it was, I think it was 2008. Um, it, it could have been six or seven or eight. I don't even remember. Uh, long story short, way back in the day, email comes out, hey, we're building a peer support team. Um, I had no idea what it was, but based on the description, it was like, hey, we're going to train cops to um, be able to help other officers who have been through um, high stress, critical incident type of thing, uh, modeled after the, par the fire department's fast team, blah, 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 blah. I had no idea what the hell it was. Never exposed to it, nothing. Um, so it's like, oh, cool. This sounds like, I don't know, I might be interested in it. Put in my name and got uh, selected for the class. Here at the Annex, um, we go into the classroom and they start the um, they start the class. Eric Skidmore is there, who's the program manager for SC Leap. Um, we've become really um, close, good friends throughout the years working together. And what happened in that class literally changed my life because um, it was the first time that I was ever in a room with people who were talking about the loss of Joe McGarry. Um, there was um, some command staff in the room. Um, I'll never forget uh, the dispatcher at the time was in there and some of us that were either really close with Joe like myself or just never really talked about it. 
Um, and we ended up kind of doing a quasi debriefing that we never were able to do. So remember 2002, Joe was killed. We never spoke about it until say, I think it was 2008. So six years, we never, never said a word about mm -hmm. it. Um, and then just going, listening to everybody in that room, I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, um, everything I'd been feeling, everybody else in the room was feeling. And I was like, wow, I am normal. Like, wow. Like they went through the same thing that I did. Like, holy crap. And it all, I was like, well, what if we would have done this back in 2002? Mm -hmm. How would that have changed my life? Because I could tell you from the loss of Joe up until about that time, um, I was suffering from probably clinical depression to some degree. Um, I definitely had some effects of post-traumatic stress. Um, I had a lot of isolation, had a lot of anxiety, had a lot going on that I was able to hide coming to work. Um, and one of the ways I was able to hide it was just by doing a crap ton of work. I was in investigations. Um, so, you know, in investigations, like if you want to work a million hours a week, you can, because there's always something to do. Um, and that's what I did. I isolated myself, poured myself into work, boxed everybody else out. And then I finally realized like, holy crap, that's not the way to handle things. Um, luckily, I didn't, you know, start with any substances or anything like that. Um, yeah, I just immersed myself in work. Um, had some horrible relationships. Um, totally my fault. Totally, you know, my priorities were wrong. Um, and then as I got more involved in peer support, I've kind of made it my mission that like, I don't want to see anybody suffer like I did when there's very easy things you can do to keep yourself well, right? So that's why I'm so passionate about officer wellness. I'm so involved in peer support. Um, like I mentioned, I worked with Alert to um, start to bring that wellness and recovery component to um, to um, the active shooter world. Um, I've been blessed. I've been able to go to the National Academy conferences the past few years, talk about it. I've been to the Alert conference and talked about it. I've done um, webinars and other podcasts about it. Um, yeah, it's just still a hard sell, right? Because it's not sexy. The sexy part of active shooter is the dudes going through the building with the guns and the shields and the, mm -hmm. the you know, the kicking of the doors and all that. The, the not sexy part is when all of that stuff is done and you're alone with your thoughts of, holy crap, what was that? Um, nobody wants to bring that yuck to the surface, but that literally is what's killing us as a profession. Mm -hmm. Did you guys lose a lot of people? Like, I know we lost a good yeah. bit when with Jacob, so. Yes. Yeah, we did. Um, we lost people right after Joe. Um, I was very close to leaving myself. Um, I was very close um, just kind of thinking like, why the hell am I doing this? This isn't worth it. The same reasons we lost officers. Mm -hmm. um, and that, it, it's funny you bring that up because that is a study that I've always wanted to do is um, my... My thesis at, at Georgetown was the impacts, what are the impacts on officers who responded to active shooter events? Um, but really what I wanted to focus on was if, say, Myrtle Beach PD has a active shooter event, a, a legit active shooter event, mm -hmm. um, how does that affect retention of officers? And I know the answer to that is you lose a crap ton of officers um, just because it brings, it makes it real to the officers. Right. Um, some that are on the fence, it pushes them over the fence. Some just say, Hey, this isn't for me. They have pressures mm -hmm. from home. Like, why are you doing this? Whatever. Get back to your question. Yeah. Back then we did lose officers. I was very close to leaving myself because I, I was just saying like, why the hell am I doing this? And right. if Joe can be killed. I could be killed. This isn't worth it. Why did I stay? I have no idea. I just kept going and going and going. Um, but yeah, and it's, uh, I remember talking to, to, to the chief, hell, probably that night um, that when we lost Jacob and saying like, chief, you need to prepare that like, 
this is just beginning. Mm -hmm. We are going to lose officers um, no matter what interventions we do, no matter how good or bad we are at this, we're going to lose cops. Um, yeah, and that's that that rang true. Um, and that, that happens in every agency, no matter how great they handle it. Um, I don't care what the department does. There's going to be a percentage of, of guys and gals that just say, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this. Right, because I think... I mean, I have no experience with law enforcement at all, but I think our department's pretty fortunate. I mean, we have 20 million visitors a year, but very rarely do we have to deal with anything super serious. Yeah. Yeah, and, and truth be told, um, you know, I, I don't want to downplay what the officers today are going through, um, but this city used to be way more violent That's than what they it were saying in briefing yeah. last night. I mean, this, this city used to be... Um, now, and it's a great thing, um, and my hat's off to everybody who's, who's gotten us to this place. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was to have a shooting on the boulevard was unfortunately commonplace. Um, you know, or, or, you know, we've had several mass shootings, knock on wood, we haven't had to, um, deal with that, but yeah, I mean, hell back in 2014, 2016, 2017, before 2014, I mean, mm -hmm. um, there was a, my last year in investigations, which was 2000 and hell, I don't remember. I think it was 2007. Um, I worked 11 homicides, just, just me. Um, that's not including the rest of, of the team. Um, I worked a, a double murder. Uh, that was a, a drug, drug robbery. Um, I mean, it was not, city was way more violent back then than it is now. Um, and again, I'm not taking away from the officers now, but, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a much different place. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Uh, do you remember, did do you go through FTO? I know I was talking about <laughs> people. Some people have been through yeah. FTO, some have not. Yeah. So my FTO was this, um, and for people who don't know what FTO stands for. Okay. So field training, um, I got out of the academy, um, Got out of the academy in, in the winter time of 98, beginning of the year, like January something of 98. Um, and I was sent to nighttime waterfront. You can imagine back in 98, being on nighttime waterfront, how not busy that was in January. Um, and uh, back then it was, it was special operations, I guess it still is today. But um, I was training with a officer who... Um, left NYPD and was on that shift. And the reason I was paired up with him is because the sergeant at the time said he didn't want to hear the Yankees in two different cars. So he put us in the same car. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so my field training officer, one of them was, um, you know, a guy who um, was from NYPD and I had another training officer. Um, and it's funny because both of them, both of my training officers taught me um, good things and not the training officer from New York, but the other one, um, I will never forget, probably taught me more about what not to do by his example. Mm -hmm. So I learned even back then, I'm brand new out of the Academy. Um, I did a lot of, wow, I don't think we should be doing this. We should have done that. This isn't the cop that I want to be. Um, Fortunately, shortly thereafter, he, he left the agency, not on his terms, but he was terminated. Um, and yeah, I learned a lot of like, holy shit, there's some, some guys that don't need to be wearing a uniform out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's another thing I learned is like, you, we, you got to get rid of these guys, um, that are out there doing not the right thing. And, um, so yeah, so my field training was that it was very informal. There were no like daily reports. There was no none of that. Um, and then when at some time I showed up to briefing and I was told, "Hey, um, the watch commander is going to sign you off from field training." Why that night and not another night? I don't know because um, it wasn't like, "Oh, you have to do X, Y, Z." Right. So the uh, watch commander jumps in the car with me and says, "Hey, take me to Akles." Um, we'll grab breakfast or whatever. Um, I pull out of the PD and I start heading up to the north end where Akles was. Um, Akles was an old 
Pancake House. It was like the only place back then that was open 24 hours in the city. Um, and as we're driving, we're passing, just like passing the Chamber of Commerce. And he said, well, you know where Akles is, so they must have taught you something on the road. Um, when I get back, I'll, I'll type it up and send it to the chief that you'll be released. And literally, we just went to breakfast. I brought him back and he's like, all right, tomorrow you'll be on your own. Mm -hmm. That was my release of FTO. Do you remember so, your first call out of FTO? Yeah, so my first call out of FTO, um, I think I reported the next night or whatever, but my first, when I got off of FTO, I was put on to Midnight Shift. So Midnight Shift back then used to work the waterfront until like 3 in the morning, and then from 3 in the morning till 7 in the morning, um, you worked patrol. Um, I remember going to the shift and... Um, you know, I was paired up with somebody on the waterfront that night, but then at three in the morning, I'm in the car by myself. And my very first call was a guy who was shot um, at Pam's Corner there at 501 in mm -hmm. Alder or whatever the heck it is. But yeah, that was my first call um, was a guy that was shot. And um, I remember getting there and um, I get out of the car and start walking up to the building. And um, Mike Cole's yelling at me to, you know, get away from the front of the building and, um, you know, come around the side or whatever, but yeah, the dude was shot. Um, so that was my, that was my first call. And mm -hmm. then he sent me up to the hospital to interview him. It wasn't, he didn't die, but, and then I'm, I remember being at the emergency room talking to him and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, Yeah. but I'll just ask him questions and hopefully a detective will show up eventually. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any out of the ordinary or calls you've had to respond to over the years have you like really you called the police and we're, we're sending somebody to this and it's me yeah um there's definitely some of that um that stuff really doesn't bother me like it does some mm -hmm. like um and i guess i look at it differently probably because i'm i'm older now i'm sure back then it, it annoyed me but um you know now i look at it that like people don't know how to solve their own problems who the hell are you going to call, mm -hmm. right? There's no hotline that you can call and be like, hey, I don't know how to figure this out. So they call us right. um, to help them solve problems. I, I, I always look at it as it's a good thing, like, right? So we're trusted or whatever. Um, right. But what do you tell the parents who say, like, my kid's not going to school and you have to respond to their house or my hotel room's not clean? And Right, right. Yeah. So, like, the people with the hotel rooms that aren't clean, um, you know, that... I'm able to kind of wordsmith my way through it of, um, hey, we there's nothing we're doing with this, um, but, you know, here's your options, whatever. Um, again, that doesn't really bother me. Um, it's more of an educational. It's more of an educational, like, I don't know, person's frustrated. They don't know who else to call. They call us. like, mm -hmm. But I am going to tell them, like, hey, there's nothing I can do. Um, can't really get involved. Now, if they start demanding, um, no, you will do something, you know, something like that, then I'm... Mm -hmm. we're not going to continue this conversation. Um, the parent who can't get their kid out of bed. Um, not everybody needs to have a kid. Um, you know, I, I used to deal with that um, a lot when I was in the middle school. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of kids who come from really crappy houses. Um, some in particular that, you know, I still talk to today. I used to have a, um, a, a student who used to come to me every day. Um, they literally to the point they made an elective for her, um, you know, so like instead of going to art, she used to come to me every day. Um, she was my little assistant and I still talk to her today. Um, she had a horrible, horrible home life. Now mm -hmm. she's married, got kids doing great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the whole, you should be able to control your kids. Um, if everybody was able to control their kids and get them up to go to school, we wouldn't need as many cops as we do today. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what do you think Hollywood gets wrong about policing? Oh, what does Hollywood get wrong about? Or if you had to pick like one. Sure. So what do they get wrong about policing? Um, we don't shoot people every day. Um, we certainly don't shoot people and go on to the next call. Um, it's, um, I don't know. I think a lot of people, it's not just Hollywood. I think everybody has a misunderstanding of what we actually are out there doing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we do go to really critical incidents, really dangerous things, um, really high stress things, um, but uh, doesn't happen every day. It happens probably more than it should, but um, 
yeah, I wish we were as good as people thought. Um, that's something I always say about, you know, command staff too. People are like, oh, you know, command staff's doing this, that, and the other. And I was like, you guys give us way too much credit for being that efficient and that, you know, kind of forward thinking. Um, you know, I think police too, like I always love the, um, oh, the police have been following me around. And I was like, if you only knew how hard that is and how not capable we are of following you around 24 seven, um, you know, or picking you out of a crowd. Um, I wish we were that good, but we're not that good. Mm -hmm. Uh, what advice do you have for the residents and like permanent community members that we have Mm -hmm. here? Yeah. So what do you want them to know about the department? What do I want our residents to know about the department? Um, they're fortunate that they have a really good agency, um, out there working, working with them. Um, we are different. Um, I think our standards are way higher than a hell of a lot of other agencies. Um, and that's a good thing. And I don't, you know, it's like, I always say too, like not everybody can be a Myrtle beach police officer and that's okay. And we don't need to shy away from it. We need to embrace it. Um, you know, my hat is off to those officers who after, the loss of Joe McGarry or, or, or Jacob or whatever critical incident where they, they go home and they reflect and say, shit, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, hey, that's okay. That's better than showing up and, and faking it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all the respect in the world for them. Um, you know, this isn't an easy job. Um, your officers are under an immense amount of stress and pressure, um, personally, professionally. Um it's not hard, or excuse me, it is hard to, um, you know, have to explain to your, your wife, your girlfriend, your, your husband, your, your kids, whatever the case may be of like, yeah, I got to work this weekend. Um, well, how come you can't get off 4th of July? What do you mean you got to work this? Like, what do you mean you got to work that? Like, that brings in a tremendous amount of pressure on these officers. Um, you know, I didn't ever see that until I had kids. Um, and I have a seven-year-old, so has not been, I should say my oldest is seven. So I worked my first 18 years of, of not having kids. So it's like, ah, what's the big deal? Like this is what you signed up for. And then I very quickly realized that like, no, your family wants you around You're, you know, so having to balance that stress of like, um, home life and work life. Uh, but our people are extremely committed um, you know, some by, cause they have to be, mm-hmm. um, and some by, because they really do love what they're, they're out there doing. But yeah, I think it's important for the, the community to know that you got a, a really, um, a, a department with some committed people that are, um, held to some pretty high standards. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice that might be different or at, in general for like the weekenders who come or people who come in on vacation who've never been here? Yeah. Or- um, so like to the, the visitors, like if you wouldn't do it at your, if you wouldn't do it at home, don't do it here. Um, you're on vacation. We're not, um, you know, we're, we're here to keep the city safe. Um, so, you know, if you wouldn't do that dumb stuff at home, don't do it here. Um, and, and by the way, we don't protect the locals and we don't protect the tourists. We enforce the law. So like when you, you take, um, enforcement action on a local it's like why aren't you picking on the tourists when you take enforcement on the tourists why aren't you picking on the uh on us and not the locals like again you're giving us way too much credit mm-hmm. um that we actually are paying attention to that um no you were just speeding here's a ticket like knock it off yeah um i don't i don't really care where you're from i'm just trying to keep you know people from dying in accidents um yeah i would say don't to the visitors like Overall, it's a safe city, but, you know, we do have a a problem with property crime. We do, you know, don't let your guard down, like head on a swivel. People do come to the city to prey on tourists because they know that they've let their guard down. They're not familiar with the area. Um, They don't know what sticks out and what doesn't. Like, be mindful of that. Um, Have a little bit of heightened sense of of situational awareness. Um, You know, unfortunately, we're becoming a bigger city. Um, with that comes more crime. So, you know, everybody wants to come on vacation and be able to leave their hotel room door open because, you know, the kids are coming back and forth to the pool, whatever. 
you can't do that, um, or you can do that, but you're risking, you know, mm-hmm. some some predator from going in there and stealing your crap. Um, yeah, so just you know, to the tourist community, um, don't don't think you're going to come here and um, you know act up, and we're going to you know say, oh, you're you're a tourist. No, the law is the law, and um, you know. Don't let your guard down. Just just be mindful of, of what the heck you're doing. Mm-hmm. Did you have an area, like when you're working on the road or waterfront, was there an area that was like your favorite to work for? Yeah, I love working BTW. Um, I love working the, the BTW community. Um, you know, I liked working the short south area. I like kind of working the busier, more stuff going on areas mm-hmm. than, you know. Short south is what to what? Yeah, it's, it's like Harrelson to. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't know. It's changed so many times. Some little. Mm-hmm. It's like ninth south, or excuse me, like third south down to like thirteenth south, or something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's that busier area is where I've always kind of gravitated to when I, I work the road. I like to be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um. So, do you? Let's see. What else? What else are we gonna talk about? This is the first one. All right. Um. Do you have a position in the department as of like right now that you haven't worked that you wish you could have been in? Oh yeah. Um, definitely. Um, I always wanted to be a canine officer. Um, but something that I, I I tell officers is I promoted pretty quick. Um, I got hired in 97. I got promoted at the end, end of 2002, um, like October of 2002. So I promoted pretty fast. It was like five years. Um, I became a corporal Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, as soon as I entered into becoming a corporal, like you're now in a supervisory capacity. Um, so yeah, I missed all my opportunity to, to become a canine officer, go work, you know, street crimes, which we didn't even have back then, but you know, or be, be a narc or any of that stuff. Cause you know, now as a boss, um, so yeah, like, um, I would have loved to be a canine officer, but in street crimes, when they were, um, in my, on the team with me, um, it was great to work with those guys. So no regrets, um, that I did promote fast cause I did want to be a detective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget, um, one of my mentors now retired captain Gilday. Um, and I, I say it all the time. When I was on the fence about putting in for promotion, and she said, you have a choice to make. You can either be the idiot or work for the idiot. And she said, you need to be mindful of um, when other people are getting promoted that you know you would be a better candidate then. You only have, you only have yourself to blame. Mm-hmm. So you need to make a decision on, do you want to be in that position or... Do you want to potentially work for this person where you know that you're more capable than than that person? So right. Um, so with that, I, I ended up putting in for promotion, um, and ended up getting picked up mm-hmm. off the list. So so I also know that you are the captain over our SWAT team. Yep. Do you have any advice for people who maybe want to be in street crimes and canine and be in traffic and be on beach patrol. And yeah. and like, it's like they try all the time and they're not mm-hmm. wanted or there's never openings when there's openings. Like, yeah. So, um, so like for SWAT, I really don't care if you do more pushups than the guy next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't care that you're shooting perfect. Um, I am looking for, and even when I was in street crimes, um, and those highly sought after specialized units, like the, there's one thing that I care about. Um, can I trust you? Um, can I trust you that if I say I need you to do X, Y, Z, I don't have to think about it again. Um, you know, people that go into canine are like, oh, I've made more dope cases than so-and-so. That does not matter. No one cares. Can I trust you that when I need you here, you're there, you're ready to go, you have everything together. Do I trust you that your paperwork is done, um, you're showing up to court, ready to go? Like, that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care that you did more traffic stops than the guy next to you. That's irrelevant. Like, can I trust you that 
when I need something done, I don't have to babysit you. Um, and that's really the biggest thing on SWAT, right? Um, I could teach you how to shoot. You can get more physically fit. But if I say, hey, go do X, Y, Z, I know it's done. I know it's done right. Um, everybody thinks it's a boys club with SWAT. Um, it's not. Um, yeah, we are picking you based on a level of trust, a level of um, are you going to gel with the team? Because if you're going to be disruptive to the team, um, we're going to kick you off the team mm-hmm. because we, we don't – it's not good for the team. I don't care if you're better physically or whatever. Um, if you're a jerk, you're, I don't have time for you. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you do in your spare time to relax? And like get away. And- <laughs> what do I do in my spare time? Um, so I used to have a lot of spare time until I had kids. Um, so I love um, like on the weekends just taking the girls out and doing I don't even know what. Um, stupid stuff like going to breakfast with them. Um, love spending time with the family. Um, and then I've always been kind of on and off the, the workout world. Um you know, I used to own a CrossFit gym, used to be all into CrossFit, used to be all into triathlons. Now my body's like, dude, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, certainly I don't have the time to either to do triathlon crap anymore because um, that's like a part-time job. But um, so now I do Orange Theory. Um, you know, I'm, I'm basically like a soccer mom. I, I go to Orange Theory. I get a smoothie. I go to Target. I go to Starbucks. Um, so, yeah, living my, my best basic life. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be hard transitioning like away from the department? Yeah. So, um, yes and no. Right. So I'm Mm -hmm. super excited about my next adventure, my next career. Um, super excited about that. Um, you know, it's going to be hard because I'm, I'm so called upon here. Um, one of the things that lingers is like, well, where are those going to call, where are those calls going to go to now? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like who are they going to call to answer, you know, what may take me three seconds to answer. Right. Um, is there going to be like, Oh, holy crap. What do we do? Um, the good thing is, is like, I am on the books for the next three months. Um, so that will help with that transition, but I'm also excited to see like what the future brings for this place. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. There's some, there's some talent. Um, and I, I excited to see what that, um, what the future holds, right? And I, it's it's important for everyone to know um, that you know I am always a phone call away, um, you know, to help support whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't put in twenty five years to keep all this knowledge or, or bounce an idea off of. Like I'm 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 here for everybody mm-hmm. if they need whatever. What advice do you have for the new kids coming in who won't know the yeah. Lorenzo legacy? Oh yes. Um, yeah, so new new people in this business. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Relax, calm down. Um, your your time will come. Um, just master where you are, right? So if you're on daytime waterfront, freaking get it together on daytime waterfront before you start worrying about traffic or SWAT or canine or whatever the hell, right? Just be good at what you're doing and have fun with what you're doing. That other stuff will come and... Um, not everything is going to happen on your terms. Um, you know, you have an idea of how the place should run. Good for you. Um, you can do that when you're the chief. But as long as Amy procs the chief, she's going to run the department the way she's going to run it. Sorry, not sorry, right? Um, you know, me and the chief have, have butted heads a million times. Um, everyone knows that. But um, there's always... And there always will be a level of mutual respect between me and the chief. Um, she knows that any time I ever disagree with her or say, hey, we need to be thinking about this, that, and the other, it's not coming from an, uh, a selfish um, what's good for me. That is never, ever um, a place I'm coming from. Anytime I disagree or speak up, um, I'm known to be outspoken, as you know, um, it's coming from a place of like the whole department, the whole community, like, it's not about me. It's about like the whole thing. Um, 
that would be my, my advice of like, just be where you are. Don't get frustrated. You've got a long road ahead of you. Um, if that is your mentality, you're going to burn yourself out super fast. Um, you know, you got plenty of years to ride a motorcycle, go on beach patrol, go, you know, work in narcs, whatever the hell you want to do. Um, but the only way you're going to get there is with your reputation, um, with being known to be trusted, um, you know, and, and nobody, no, no supervisor, no boss, no leader or whatever wants somebody that's high maintenance. Um, you know, so just really set yourself apart by hard work, quality work, um, and not being a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you want your legacy to be when you leave? What do I want my legacy to be? Um, yeah, so I want my legacy to be that, um, I always, I always tried to develop people to take my job, right? Um, that I always tried to, I was very blessed in this department. I always had great supervisors, um, you know, Kevin Hines, Faith Gilday, um, there's a lot of supervisors that I've had that have always looked out for me to, um, you know, let me do what I wanted to do. Um, they got me the training classes. They gave me the opportunity to take the ball and run with it. Um, they gave me the opportunity to kind of do things the way I thought they should be done. Um, and that's really something that I, I want my legacy to be is that like, if you and I worked together, like I looked out for you, I tried to develop you, I gave you um, good guidance, um, I helped, you know, you reach your goals, um, and that we had fun in that, like, um, you know, this, everybody, not everybody, people let this career consume you, um, it can consume you if you let it, it doesn't have to, um, you know, you, you can, you can come to this job and have fun. Um, you don't, you don't need to let this identify who you are as a person. Um, if you work for UPS, you're not putting in all this emotional blood, sweat, and tears into, mm -hmm. you know, UPS. You can still be a rock star at this profession and be impactful without, um, letting this, consume who you are because it's not who you are after 25 years um i'm leaving to go be a dad a brother a son um you know all those things my most important job as a father um you know, that's what i'm going home to um by the time i leave this office people take my stapler and my paper clips um but you know i got kids that i need to um to raise and i need to be well for them mm -hmm. so. um is there anything else you want to add or anybody you want to talk to while you're here we've been going for like almost 50 minutes and this is awesome um no just kind of leave it with um you know people have asked like what's my leadership mantra or whatever um i've always had the um the leadership mantra of leave it better than you found it um Anywhere that I've gone in a department, I've tried to make it better. Um, and again, it's not make it better to benefit me. It's make it better to make it more efficient, more effective, uh, whatever the hell better means. Um, somebody has to fill that role mm -hmm. in this organization. Um, there's going to be a lot of outspokenness that leaves this organization when I leave. Um, somebody's got to fill that role because we owe it to the chief. We owe it to the community to let her know things that she doesn't know, um, whether she agrees with them or not. We owe it to tell her the truth, the hard truth, um, even if she doesn't want to hear it, um, even if it's going to sting like, we owe it to our people. We owe it to our community to speak up. Um, you know, she's outspoken. She's mm -hmm. used to it. 
Um, she's, she, she can take it. Um, you know, and, and like I, I've always said, like to chief proc, you pay me a lot of money and you promoted me to captain. Um, and you didn't do those two things for me to keep my mouth shut. Like, mm-hmm. um, you pay me to speak up and to bring a different, um, look like we, we need to keep that going as an organization. Um, to the leaders out there, leave it better than you found it. Um, treat your people like people. They're not cogs in the machine. They are people who have a lot of things going on. Um, the, the mission will always be there. The task will always be there. But if we don't nurture and take care of our people, they won't be there. Um, and they're not easily replaced. So it is on you, um, not the chief, but you, anyone who's listening to help with retention, help with morale, um, the chief's not going to retain everybody on her own, nor is, is the assistant chief, nor the captains. It is a collaborative effort. Um, jump in, get your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do the work. Right. Do you have any advice for like our department? Because I obviously want to keep doing this, and I feel that some people are going to be very nervous, as they typically are. They're not going to want to talk a lot. But I want this to be... Just as we talked today, I want to humanize the badge. I want to show our community and our visitors and people worldwide that these these are people. They have families. They go mm-hmm. home. They have pets. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I've been doing this 25 years. Um, if you look at my resume, a lot of people are like, oh, holy crap. But, you know, there's still days I wake up and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Um, or, wow, I have no idea how to handle that situation or sometimes I feel like a rookie who has no idea, like, mm-hmm. or you get, I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you, there's oftentimes I have imposter syndrome of like, I don't belong here. I don't, I'm not, what am I, why are they asking me this stuff? Um, you know, so that's, it's normal, right? We're normal people. We, um, you know, when I leave here today, I have to go to Walmart and pick up my groceries and pick up my girls from camp and I will be making dinner and doing bath and making sure that the dog goes out to pee and, you know, packing lunches for tomorrow. Um, that's what my night will be tonight, mm-hmm. just like everyone else. Um, the difference is my phone could also ring at one o'clock in the morning and I have to come in because we have whatever the hell the case may be. Um, that's where we're different. Um, but I still have to mow the lawn on the weekends. I still have to pay the bills each month. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's where the, we're the same, but we're, we're different. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice on what to call this podcast? I haven't, I haven't named it yet. (sighs) I think it should be something about me. Let's just be honest. I mean, we can, you're the first one. I'm the first one. I think it should be my podcast. Um, (laughs) no, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't have a good answer for you on that. Okay. Anything else you want to add before we close out? No, I think this is awesome. Um, I'm excited to to hear more about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, have me back, right? Obviously. Just because I'm retired doesn't mean, you know, um, I'll just have to bring you down to Puerto Rico to, uh, to do Deal. It. I can make that trip. Right, we can perfect. make it happen. I'm in. So, all right. All right. I guess that's going to be it for this one. I like it. All righty.